As a broadcaster making hardly any money, I would gift friends and colleagues my banana bread, which is kind of like the one recipe that I had memorized, and it was kind of a recipe that I'd grown up with, but put my own tweaks on it. It got such great feedback that I kind of started thinking, wow, like maybe I'm onto something. And yeah, it just kind of blew up. It was an intense year where our apartment was kind of like a small commercial kitchen, and it just grew and grew. Right now, I mean, it's been seven years for us. We have 110 customers. We deliver five days a week. We have have a delivery van and so we deliver to mainly cafes and like a few kind of market grocery store type places and I mean our, our big goal is really just to prove that there's no compromise when it comes to vegan baking. Vegan baking. That's Erin Island and this is the Proof Podcast. Hey, beautiful friends. Welcome back to another episode. It's an absolute pleasure to be here with you. I hope that you've been keeping well. For new listeners, I'm Simon Hill, host of this show, nutritionist, physiotherapist, and author. Please do sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. One of the best ways to track our health is to regularly get blood work done, so we can take a peek under the hood and get a feel for the state of our cardiometabolic and hormonal health. You can do this with your local doctor, or you can use a service like Inside Tracker. The nice thing about Inside Tracker is they make the process super convenient. You can organize their phlebotomist, a person who draws blood, to come to your house or office to do the blood draw. A few days later, your results show up in the Inside Tracker app, and they provide lifestyle recommendations based on whether a particular test is suboptimal, normal, or optimal. I've checked Inside Tracker's lifestyle recommendations, specifically the exercise and nutrition ones, and I can confidently say they are evidence-based and in line with the information shared in both my book and on this show. They even added ApoB to their ultimate plan, based on recommendation from myself and others. It's also nice to have all of your lab results readily accessible in one mobile app, making it easy to pull up past results and see trends and patterns over time. Get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. To get started, go to insidetracker.com forward slash Simon for this exclusive offer. That's insidetracker.com forward slash Simon. If you're a long-time listener of this show, you'll be well aware of the scientific evidence that supports a high-fiber, plant-rich diet for good long-term health. And while I certainly believe in a food-first approach, there is a role for supplements to help optimize the intake of specific nutrients and address any nutritional gaps. Enter Emil. Emil is a plant-based wellness company with a series of products to help you optimize your plant-based diet. Two of my favorite products being the Essential 8 Multivitamin and the Optimal Omega Plus. The Essential 8 contains 8 key nutrients that plant-based eaters often fall short in. And the Optimal Omega Plus contains a direct source of DHA and EPA Omega-3s, same as in fish, but from algae. In fact, taking Optimal Omega Plus daily 
which contains 750 milligrams of EPA and DHA, is equivalent to eating two to three pieces of fatty fish per week, in line with the nutrition recommendations globally. To get your Essential 8 and Optimal Omega Plus, head to theproof.com forward slash friends and follow the link which will get you an extra 10% off your first order. That's theproof.com forward slash friends. I grew up in North Vancouver. We have the mountains, we have the ocean, we have some beautiful beaches, and I'd say we're really known for the hiking. And I grew up basically at the base of Grouse Mountain, so it was like a 10-minute walk to the mountain, and I would grow up going on runs in the in the forest with my dog, um, and just so many trails. Like, really, that's all there is there. We walked to elementary school. It was probably a 15-minute walk away, and my high school was one house away from my my home. So I'd roll out of bed like five minutes before class started and get there, usually late. Of course, the kid who lives closest to school is late. Um, I was, uh, sports is my entire focus up until the end of university. So I grew up playing all the sports, basketball, volleyball, tennis, cross country. In grade 11, I kind of got serious about seeking out a scholarship. I got a video of myself playing volleyball made and I sent it off to some schools in the States. And I worked out a deal. I got a, a scholarship to Winthrop University in South Carolina. I feel like deep in my gut, I, I always knew that I was never going to go to school locally. I was never really drawn to any of the local universities. And I was never really that homesick. There were, there were periods, but it was a great experience. I loved the South. I loved the weather. I really liked the girls. I went down there on a recruiting trip, and there was another Canadian there, and she made me feel really at home and... The girls love to eat like I did. <laughs> I definitely grew up like being focused on food. And it was it was a plane ride away, you know, so I always felt uh, comfortable knowing I could just hop on a plane and go home if I wanted to. So, I mean, I was a good volleyball player, but I wasn't like national team caliber. I was like a second team provincial all-star volleyball player. And so I went down there and it was really tough. It was really tough for me as a freshman. I... I sucked. I just like, I mean, I was the shortest girl on my team. I'm 5'8", but there were girls who were 6'3". Uh, so it was a bit of an eye-opening kind of reality check for me. So I sat on the bench my whole freshman year, and that was really tough. So I kind of like stopped practicing in the front row. I stopped practicing as a hitter just to try to improve my defensive skills. And so from sophomore to senior year, I was a defensive specialist. <laughs> I was a defender, a digger, a, a passer. So that's what I did, and, and it, I was glad to stay down there. I got back to Vancouver, and I got an internship at CTV News Station, one of the biggest news stations in Vancouver. And then I got hired after the internship was over, and I started working as a teleprompter, working on the research desk, and then I eventually started producing the morning weather and the traffic, and I started doing some on-air rehearsals to do, to, like, fill in for weather and a traffic, but then I realized that I really didn't care about weather and traffic, and I could not fake enthusiasm for those subjects. So I went on a trip and I kind of never came back. <laughs> well, I guess I, I, I canceled my plane ticket and I extended the trip by a bit. So it was supposed to be a 10-week trip. But while I was there, um, I wound up on this Italian horse farm doing woofing. You dedicate half your day for room and board, basically. So you can search all the hosts and see like what kind of work is suitable for you. And at this particular farm, the jobs were feeding the five golden retrievers, tending to the vegetable garden, feeding the horses on the John Deere. It was a 40-acre property with like fig, fig trees. It was amazing. I fell in love with the family. We just totally clicked. So I stayed there for way longer than I should have. 
I stayed there until it got cold and I had no more summer clothes and I, I realized it was time to go. So I was pretty lost at that point. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I kind of wanted to stay in Europe. So after Italy, I moved to London where I kind of couch surfed um, with a friend for two months. Then I eventually, my granny got sick and that was a all the reason I needed to go home. So I went home. I surprised my family. They didn't know I was coming home. And um, while I was there, I got this really great opportunity hosting uh, this super local entertainment news magazine show. And it was just like a really great in to the media industry. I met everybody and um, hosted this show for a couple months, got to do a lot of interviews. And it was really eye-opening for me because I realized I also didn't really have a passion for fashion, <laughs> which is what the show was largely focused on. Uh, but there were a few segments that were focused on food where I got to interview like local celebrity chefs. And those were the interviews for me that just flowed, you know, like I didn't have a cheat sheet. I was just like speaking from the heart and loved it so much. So that helped me realize that I needed to fully dive into food. So I just quit everything else. I'd always been interested in food. I mean, I was on my volleyball team. I was known as the team garbage gut. Like, I just love to eat. Like, it definitely wasn't refined. I was just always hungry. And in retrospect, I feel like it had a lot to do with the fact that I wasn't eating a lot of plants. Like, I ate a lot of animals. I always felt like the optimal diet was high animal, lean protein. So, I mean, I would sit there and I would eat a full rotisserie chicken for dinner. I definitely didn't have an education on, on diet and nutrition. The only rules the team had was no fried food and no soda. So other than that, they never focused on animal products. So I dove all into everything food. I started my website. It's todiefor.ca, which was just a food blog at the time. It's since grown into a bit more of like a Vancouver dining guide with categories and better tips. Um, I started writing weekly food review column for Metro newspaper and a monthly magazine column. I started appearing on local talk shows, just talking about, you know, themed food, food stuff, restaurant reviews, that sort of thing. And things really went from there. And then at one point, I feel like the next big thing uh, in my career was starting the bakery business. There was no plan. I mean, I didn't even name it. It kind of named itself. Um, because my blog was called It's to Die For, um, it was named as such because my goal as an eater was always to find the to die for food, like the extra delicious food. That's how I would describe it. So as a broadcaster making hardly any money, I mean, you definitely don't get paid at the beginning of your career in broadcasting. For the most part, I would gift friends and colleagues my banana bread, which is kind of like the one recipe that I had memorized. And um, it was kind of a recipe that I'd grown up with, but put my own tweaks on it. And um, it got such great feedback that I kind of started thinking, wow, like maybe I'm onto something. And thanks to Twitter, actually, Twitter was kind of like the social media platform back then. Yeah, it just kind of blew up. And I did a test bake sale. I put this order form on my website and I said, okay, uh, order your banana bread and you can, you can come pick it up between 10 and 2 on Saturday. And I like I had to shut down the, the order form because I got so many orders and I baked throughout the night. And I was like, hey, are people going to put their money where their mouth is? And everybody came to pick up and there was just rave reviews. So it was just good kind of test uh, for me to make me feel comfortable in moving forward to the business. So I started off with one cafe and I was making one loaf at a time in my, in my 500 square foot apartment. And I always thought that 
small batch meant one loaf at a time. Like I never even made four at a time, which is what my oven could fit. And I also wanted to make it by hand. So I never used a mixer, like a KitchenAid or anything like that. Everything was made with my two hands. And I've since learned that you can still call it made by hand if you use a mixer. (laughs) But uh, it was an intense year where our apartment was kind of like a small commercial kitchen. And it just grew and grew and to the point where um, I got a co-packer. So that means just like a bakery who kind of makes it for you under their roof with their employees that I trained. The good thing is there were no investments that really needed to be made. I was lucky to connect with um, a newer designer who did my branding for $400. (laughs) So I didn't need equipment at the time either because of the low volume. And then the co-packer model um, also alleviates the need for any type of investment. So one of my best business tips that I'll give to young entrepreneurs is to not really make big, big moves right at the beginning, like stay agile and just wait till you're certain before you dive in. Like to this day, I mean, I haven't even bought my own ovens and I think it's overdue. Like I think we really need to. Right now we're in a shared space where we've been five years and it's great, but um, yeah, we're like overflowing. I mean, we have uh, how many, like five, six bakers in there at a time. And we're in this plot, like within the shared kitchen and we share the ovens and I want to get my own ovens, like really good bakers ovens. And right now, I mean, it's been seven years for us. We have 110 customers. We deliver five days a week. We have a delivery van. And so we deliver to mainly cafes and like a few kind of market grocery store type places. And I mean, our, our big goal is really just to prove that there's no compromise when it comes to vegan baking. But when when the company started, it wasn't vegan because I wasn't vegan yet. So the very first seed that was planted for me was watching Forks Over Knives, which I think was like a spark for so many people. It's such a great documentary. Then from there, it really was kind of connected to my food blogging. And um, I started really gaining traction in that area. I started getting more followers. People were taking my recommendations. And I started realizing that I was having an impact. And I started to think about what I was promoting. You know, like I, I, I was promoting these animal products and, you know, anything that I was sharing. And so I decided to learn a little bit more about it. And so I dove in, started watching the documentaries, and I was horrified. So eventually, I think the really, like the last straw for me was watching the film Earthlings which everyone needs to see. Earthlings or Dominion, they're both so powerful. I always remember like the beginning of my transition started in 2012, actually. But in 2013, I posted um, a blog on my site called 10 Reasons to Consider Becoming a Flexitarian. And in that introduction, I stated that I had eaten meat 10 to 15 times in the past year. Um, and then I go on to list all these reasons to like reduce meat or at least to focus on where your meat came from because at that point I was still under the impression that you could find humane meat. There is this weird phase where I believed that I could like offer both, where I could offer a vegan line and still have the old stuff that I would encourage everybody to go vegan, but for those certain customers who just wouldn't do it, I would still offer the original product. I remember somebody telling me that there's no humane way to kill someone who doesn't want to die. And that was like a huge light bulb going off for me. I mean, I was always sharing that we were using these awesome cage-free eggs. I thought they were fine. And then I realized um, that 
male, like millions of male chicks are killed every day. They're ground up or suffocated when they are one day old and they're a byproduct of the egg industry. So right off the surface, it doesn't seem like there's violence. It doesn't seem like it's cruel, but um, these babies are being ground up. Anyways, I fortunately had this realization that there is no, there is no such thing as cruelty-free animal products. And so we decided to go all in with the vegan products. And fortunately, it was so easy to make the banana bread vegan. It was the replacement of the eggs, basically, and then switching to a dairy-free chocolate, which is super easy. So I think I was pregnant with Rowan at this time. So um, I hired an amazing local chef uh, to work with me as a consultant, and she did the experimenting. Her name is Karen McCarthy, and so she helped me figure out that recipe and it works like a charm, and nobody knows. And I have my most, like, you know, animal food loving customers and oldest customers just like exclaim that you cannot tell the difference. And so a lot of people say it's even better. The thing is, we didn't really announce it. I just wanted to transition over, not tell anybody. I actually sent a, a mass email to my customers and I said, we're changing a few ingredients, see attached. <laughs> And I didn't even make it a big thing. I was kind of worried about some of my bigger, more mainstream customers, and nobody cared. So it was it was a great thing for the business and things. I mean, obviously, my passion was, like, reignited, and so I started focus, focusing on it more. And, um, I mean, things have only improved. One of the hardest things for me is just being able to delegate. I mean, even handing off the baking to somebody else, I never felt like anybody could do it the way I did it, even though that's silly. Of course they could, but it was a control thing that it was really hard for me to let go of. I mean, I'm not a trained baker, and so I feel like I have some like weird little tricks that I do with my baking, and I actually had some bakers that I hired who were trained, and they would say, oh, no, we have to do it this way. Like, this is what I learned in school, and I would say, no, no, this is how we're going to do it. This is how I've always done it, and this is what works. And I really feel feel like the banana bread is something special. Like I've, I mean, obviously I'm incredibly biased, but I've never had better banana bread. And a lot of people say the same. And I really feel like it's because of some little tricks. <laughs> if you've tuned in to the many episodes I've done focusing on cardiovascular disease, the leading cause of death globally, you'll be well aware that ApoB is a better biomarker for measuring our risk of having a heart attack or stroke than LDL cholesterol. The only problem is that not every pathology lab is set up to test ApoB levels. Fortunately, this has now been made easier by Inside Tracker, a leading health and wellness company founded in 2009 by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, MIT, and Tufts that provides lifestyle advice based on your blood test results. With the new edition of ApoB, Inside Tracker's ultimate plan now analyzes 44 biomarkers, including metabolic health markers like HbA1c, triglycerides, and blood glucose, important nutrients like vitamin D and iron, as well as hormones like cortisol, sex hormone binding globulin, free testosterone, and total testosterone, before giving you science-backed lifestyle advice to optimize your health and longevity. Your data tells the story of your health. With Inside Tracker, get to know your story and create a lifestyle that delivers better health for longer. Get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. To get started and redeem this offer, go to insidetracker.com forward slash Simon. That's insidetracker.com forward slash Simon. Hey friends. 
The scientific evidence on lifestyle habits that lead to longevity is clear. Now it's time to put this knowledge into action. I'm excited to announce the Living Proof Longevity Challenge, a 12-week program to build evidence-based lifestyle habits to optimize longevity. My team and I have transformed over hundreds of hours of conversations with experts on aging, nutrition, and exercise into a life-changing 12-week program that will challenge you to develop habits that lead to a longer, better life. This is a unique opportunity to gather health data about yourself that has the potential to change your life for the better. You'll start by testing 10 longevity biomarkers that tell the truth about where your longevity stands right now, today. Following that, you'll get a personalized longevity score to guide your 12 weeks of habit building that will boost your score and improve your biomarkers for the better. After the challenge, you'll retest your 10 biomarkers and see the proof of how powerful these science-backed habits really are. Head over to theproof.com forward slash living proof to download your zero cost copy of the Living Proof Longevity Challenge today. That's theproof.com forward slash living proof. Look forward to joining you on this journey. This is the first holiday that I really tried to stay off my phone a little bit because um, historically on vacation, like we travel based on the vegan friendliness of a city. And so I'm always sharing and wanting to create like city guides and recommendations. Um, but I've noticed it really does take time away from my family. But at the same time, like my biggest passion is raising awareness about the importance of eating plants and specifically what's happening to animals. To be honest, I can't think of any major hurdles. Um, even socially, I think that friends in general are, are more just like interested and inspired about what we're eating. So if we have friends over for dinner, you know, we're going to make a plant-based meal for them. And they're just like curious, like, how, are, how do you make it taste so good? Because unfortunately, I feel like there was this first wave of vegan food and vegan products that was kind of 1.0. There just wasn't much flavor in there and texture was funny and especially like 1.0 Round one, vegan cheeses weren't that good, but they've come so far. And so I really felt like friends were just um, interested in what we were making and they would ask for the recipes. So, I mean, I really don't feel like there were any hurdles. I also hear from people that they think that vegan cooking is harder. And I am the biggest advocate against that. I think it is so much easier. I mean, for one, when you go to the grocery store and you have vegetables and non-animal products, you don't have to race everything home to get them in the fridge. You know, like you can just leave them in your car. They're fine. They're going to, you know, they're not going to go bad. They're not going to go rancid. Number two, you don't need precise cooking times and temperatures. Like I wouldn't know how to cook a roast or a steak or a filet. Like I'd probably ruin it or overcook it or it's so much more fickle, right? I mean, vegetables, chuck them into the oven. Any temperature, wait till they're golden. And third, the bacteria. Like, you don't have to worry about scrubbing your cutting board and, you know, cleaning your knife and then sanitizing your scrub brush. Like, there's no fear about cooking in the kitchen with vegan food. It's safer. The main nutrients that the babies are needing, they get it through their mother's breast milk. And so Rowan was breastfed for 19 months, but she started solids at around six months. And I think that so many baby foods are naturally vegan. So it was really, really easy. And then there are some supplements like vitamin D. Um, but other than that, I mean, she lives on broccoli. 
<laughs> I mean, she she actually lives on broccoli and tofu. And I think those two foods alone, like with a little squeeze of citrus, she's getting like pretty much everything. At three months of age, she stopped breastfeeding in the day. She would only breastfeed at night. And then at around eight months old, she stopped breastfeeding altogether. And she just took it from the bottle. So I pumped like five times a day to get her the milk. And then she stopped altogether at 19 months. We kind of like whittled it down to this point where she was not even really needing it. She did not like avocado to start. That's the one we started on. Uh, and now she eats like one to two avocados a day. She's such a little avocado monster. But she really liked um, just like baby cereal. Also, nut butter. She like eats nut butter by the spoonful. But tofu is her favorite. We say, what do you want for dinner? And she asks for tofu. And she will eat it plain. I was really picky as a kid, so I really hope she doesn't follow in my footsteps. But I do think it's up to the parent to expose them to stuff. And she loves, um, like, pickled things, like garlicky pickled things, like some fermented food. She loves kombucha. I've heard from so many moms that their kids actually don't even like meat. Um, and they're inspired by some of my Instagram stories of Rowan eating where she's having the tofu and the broccoli and they're realizing that their kids can get all their protein and their iron from non-meat sources. I feel like there's almost this instinct in a child, like they gravitate away from it. I've heard that from so many moms, even when they're pregnant. I've heard a lot of pregnant ladies say that they just, they're totally, they have aversions to meat during pregnancy. We have definitely saved money going vegan. Our grocery bills are way lower. I mean, of course, if you're getting some of the fancy stuff, like you're going to the fancy vegan cheese shop, those items are more expensive, but they're just as expensive as a fancy dairy cheese. I mean, dairy cheese is expensive too. So I, some people will see, like, I, I love to try, like, new vegan cheeses and cool vegan products, and and people might get the impression that it's expensive or we're spending a lot of money, but that's really just special occasion stuff. It's unfortunate that there's a stereotype that vegan food is expensive because many of the world's third world countries are vegan because they can't afford meat. And I mean, they're living on rice and beans. So I could give you a list of cookbooks and a list of like vegans to follow online, products to buy, but I really think that the most important thing you can do is really discover the why. And you need to know why you're doing it because once you're motivated, it'll be so easy to go vegan. You will just be internally inspired to like find those items yourself and do the Google searches online because the information really is out there everywhere. So if you want to go vegan in five hours, you need to watch Cowspiracy, <laughs> Earthlings, or Dominion. And what the health. And you will be so inspired. You will just see how damaging the animal agriculture industry is for the environment. You'll see how healthy a plant-based diet is for our bodies and human health and longevity, lifespan, etc. And you'll also just see what's happening to animals. I mean, when I watched Earthlings, I was just blown away by what's happening to them. I mean, I really thought that there there was like an ounce of compassion or, um, you know, I didn't think it was as bad as it is. So my mission in life has really become to raise awareness about the importance of eating plant-based food um, and to avoid animal foods. So I would say that my daily activism might not seem like activism. I think there are all different kinds of activism, but mine would be step-by-step um, -step cooking stories. I think that people would be so surprised to see how easy it is to cook vegan. I remember... I started doing a cooking story, um, making homemade almond milk, and I, I was kind of thinking this might be boring. Everybody probably knows how to do this, so I started the process, and then and then I stopped, and I I like wasn't even sure if I was going to finish it, and then I started getting messages from people saying, "Finish the almond milk! Like, what's happened with the almond milk?" <laughs> I think my nuts were also soaking, so I had this like gap, 
But um, I kind of realized, wow, people are really interested. So I finished the almond milk. And to this day, it's like in my top three shared or most commented or most popular stories. Um, I, I constantly have people tagging me just saying that they've tried my almond milk recipe, which is just a really basic recipe. But um, people, I mean, the main feedback was that they were so surprised at how easy it is to make your own delicious homemade almond milk. So I, I really like to show nightly what we're eating for dinner. People are really curious, like, what are you actually eating for every meal? So I just like to show that. So I, I like to show what I eat in a day. I just, I really want to share and just show people I'm passionate on showing how easy it is. Um, and just also giving people ideas on what to eat because I go through those phases too where I'm blanking out, I don't know what to make, and it's just nice to be able to scroll or check somebody's stories and see what they're making. So, yeah, and I, I feel pretty inspired when it comes to what to make. Like, I'm always looking at food stuff, so I kind of have this list of things that's that I want to make. And, um, and a lot of what I make doesn't involve a recipe, which I think can be a deterrent for some people if they feel like they constantly have to menu plan and they have to actually have the recipe in front of them and they have to go to the store. I like to show how, like, I'll come home, I don't have a plan, I'll look in the fridge, I have two potatoes, I have a box of spinach, and I have some, like, leftover quinoa and how I'll throw that together and kind of make a meal that looks like dinner. I just want to say that, you know, all of us are influencers, whether you have 50 followers or you know, 50,000 followers, I think that what you share and what you put out there has an impact. Um, so I think it's really important to, you know, share as much plant-based food as possible. And yeah, just remember that when you're sharing, just because you might not have thousands of followers doesn't mean you're not influencing your friends and your neighbors and your family. There we go. I hope you found that interesting, instructive, illuminating and clarifying. Of course, if you did, please share with your friends and family on the socials. The more people that we can help together, the better. And while you're there, make sure that we're connected. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at plant underscore proof. Quick one before I let you go. I am often asked what supplements I take. Probably one of the most common questions that I get actually. So I finally got around and created an in-depth supplement guide, totally free, that you can download along with a bunch of other free guides at plantproof.com. Inside, it contains information about daily supplements for everyday wellness, along with performance supplements. The daily supplement that I personally take is a multi-nutrient called Essentialate by Nutrikind. This is a product I formulated for Nutrikind alongside their team that specifically contains the eight key nutrients that plant-based eaters often fall a little short in. Omega-3s from algae, B12, vitamin D3 from mushroom, iodine from seaweed, calcium, zinc, selenium, and iron. The right forms in the right doses to complement your plant-rich diet. To find out more or subscribe to a monthly delivery, head to NutraKind.com. That's N-U-T-R-I-K-Y-N-D.com and use the code PLANTPROOF for 15% off your purchase. So in summary, grab a copy of the supplement guide at PLANTPROOF.com 
And if you are in the market for a daily multi-nutrient to cover your bases, head to Nutrikind.com and use the code PLANTPROOF for 15% off. On that lovely note, it's time to bring this one to a close. Thank you so much for hanging out with me and for your ongoing interest in evidence-based nutrition. I appreciate you and I look forward to repeating it all again in a few days' time. Until then, remember, more plants, my friends, more plants.